little by little, I started hearing from people who bought my book, uh, getting emails saying, oh, I loved your book. It's great. Uh, I'm going to tell my friends about it. You're going to have a book club meeting about it. Hello, and welcome to History Through Fiction, the podcast. I'm your host, Colin Mustful, and today I am so happy to be joined by Alina Rubin, author of the novel A Girl with a Knife. I knew she's going to do an amputation. I knew she's going to resuscitate somebody from drowning. I already had these stories in my mind. I think to me, no, I'm much more happy writing about doctors than actually being one. I think it's a, such a difficult uh, and stressful job to have people's lives in your hands. Alina Rubin is an IT professional and a mom who, during the pandemic, used the time and energy saved on the commute to write her first book. Alina has a BS and MS in Business and Information Technology from DePaul University. She lives near Chicago with her husband and daughter. When not working or writing, she enjoys yoga, hiking, and traveling. A Girl with a Knife is her debut novel, the first book of the Hearts and Sales series. She also writes short stories, features about historical women, and personal and travel accounts on her A Girl on an Adventure blog. Well, I want to start with the title of your novel, A Girl with a Knife. It actually sounds kind of sinister, but it's, of course, it's not. Can you tell me why you decided to call it A Girl with a Knife? I thought it'd be an interesting title that catches the reader's attention, makes them wonder. But uh, it kind of makes the challenge because, like you said, it is sinister. It makes people sometimes think that it's going to be a mystery or a horror genre, or maybe it's even maybe it's about cooking or something like that. I wanted people to wonder and to ask questions, but I made sure that the cover really speaks to historical fiction. So on the cover, we see somebody dressed in the uh, early 19th century dress, and she's holding a scalpel. Yeah, yeah, it does come as a surprise. It's it's not necessarily a knife; it's a scalpel, mm-hmm. uh, and and she is a doctor. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about the moment of inspiration you had. So you're relatively new to fiction writing, as far as I can tell, right. uh, but you had a moment of sudden inspiration in 2021. Can you talk about that? Right during pandemic, um, I had more time. Uh, at home, I my job is IT analyst, nothing to do with writing, at least fiction writing. But uh, with, with more time without the commute, I was watching historical fiction shows on TV. And uh, there was a particular one that really struck my imagination. It was Hornblower. And I started imagining my character, this female doctor, a ship surgeon on this ship full of men and taking care of the wounded. And at it just became such a powerful image for me that I wanted to write about her. And I started making up stories uh, where she's already the ship surgeon and uh, uh, taking care of her friends. Uh, 
And uh, eventually I, f- I finished this manuscript, full novel, and started showing it to my friends and they liked it. They said it's really interesting. And then I showed it to beta readers, to people who actually write some fiction and would give me more advice about about uh, my story. And uh, their, you know, uh, their uh, response was positive. But they kind of said, you know, historical fiction is pretty hard. You have to base yourself on facts on what was possible at the time. And uh, there were no women uh, doctors at the time. So you really need to come up with a good case how your character became a doctor. And that kind of took my imagination completely different direction that, yeah, I need to figure out how uh, Ella Parker becomes a doctor, which at the time would be either she has a mentor who teaches her and she, because she cannot go to university or she disguises herself as a man. And uh, I started looking into you know, doing some research because that ever happened and found, yes, there was a person, James Berry, who did just that. uh, And only at his death, people found out that that was a woman surgeon all along. And uh, that's kind of how my disc came to be, you know, to write The Girl with a Knife. Well, you mentioned your research. So you you, you wrote most of the story and then, then you kind of did you backtrack then to do research and and tell me about that that process of all the things that you had to to learn in order to make it a more well well rounded historical fiction? Right, I started looking at uh, books about surgeons of the time. So, like I mentioned, James Berry, I read uh, a biography of him. I learned what classes he's taking in medical school, and I sent my character in, in many of the same classes. I read. Um, the Butchering Arts, that's a very compelling book uh, about Joseph Lister. Jo- Joseph Lister lived later than my character, but that book showed exactly how dirty the hospitals were, how, you know, when people had no idea that cleanliness is good for the patients uh, and doctors did not wash their hands or, or wash their instruments. Uh, so that really helped with world building of what the hospital would be like. Read the some kind of more high level stories about what were the dominant diseases and what were the explanations for those diseases at the time. And I also found some um, primary sources, basically medical journals written in early 19th century where a doctor would describe a case. And uh, sometimes it, the case would be so good I could really see my character uh, examining such a patient and what she would think and what kind of things would she conclude. So kind of putting all this together <laughs> helped me build this world of uh, uh, 19th century hospital, 19th century medical school. You mentioned some of the conditions that they worked under at that time. Were you shocked or surprised by, I guess, maybe the lack of advancement or how, mu- how much we've advanced since then in, in the medical field? Absolutely. Because, the, you know, I met, at first I mentioned kind of this old-fashioned hospital, relatively clean. But then um, when I read how bad it was that uh, nobody washed the instrument, the dried blood on the scalpels, yeah, absolutely absolutely that shocked me. And also how it was like to do surgery without any anesthesia, maybe just some whiskey or something like that. Uh, All these advancements about anesthesia and antiseptics, they did come in 19th century, but not at the very beginning of it. And the reason why I kind of placed the story in the very beginning 
was because I wanted to write about the 19th century ships. Now, it, that doesn't really happen in A Girl with a Knife, but that's why uh, the title of the series is Hearts and Sails, because eventually after she finishes her medical training, I'm going to send her on a sailing ship at the age of sail. And that's the uh, kind of ships I was interested in. Well, well, let's continue with that. So you had this moment of inspiration and a story that would not leave your mind. Mm -hmm. When and how did you decide this needs to be a series? Was that always in the back of your mind? I think so, because uh, like uh, I started with her already being the surgeon and already had all these stories in my mind. So I knew she's going to do an amputation. I knew she's going to resuscitate somebody from drowning. I already had these stories in my mind. Now I just had to go back in time and figure out how did she learn uh, uh, the, you know, those techniques and those surgeries. And that's where I started coming up with uh, the stories in the medical school that will eventually help her in her career and she will be able to save people. So I'm just curious, do you kind of feel excited to get, get these stories down? Because I know it takes a long time to put together a novel and you've got several um, for this series, um, are you kind of anxious about it? I am. I, I am very excited. Sometimes uh, I think about scenes that are not going to happen for like three, four books down. And sometimes I just compelled to write them, you know, and just have them saved somewhere that even I know I will not need this uh, story till book four, but it's so clear in my mind right now. I just feel like I have to write it right now, you know, just even though I should be working on. Uh, you know, my second book, uh, uh, I also uh, started writing, well, actually finished the first draft of a side novel that I completely did not plan. Uh, one of the patients of my character, Abigail, is an orphaned girl and she gets adopted. And I just wanted to write the book about her as well. So I have a book that's kind of a spin-off where Ella is just kind of has a very brief appearance and it's all about this uh, orphan child uh, who is... Uh, adopted by a Jewish family. I think that's great. And yeah, definitely roll with that energy as long as you've got it, because you never know. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Ella Parker, the main character. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit more who she is and in your research, what kind of women inspired you um, to give, you know, for the details that filled out Ella? Sure. So. Ella comes from a rich family. Of, at the very start of the novel, her mother has died in childbirth. Unfortunately, that happened quite a bit. Childbirth was very dangerous. Her father is an alcoholic. With loss of his wife, he becomes only meaner, especially to Ella. Uh, and uh, Ella is kind of stuck in this world. Uh, uh, she has very few friends. Uh, the ones she has are very formal. She can do embroidery with them. And when she wants to talk to them about science or about politics, they don't want to talk about those topics. They want to talk about getting uh, you know, a, nice, a good husband and uh, topics like that. So she feels very stuck because she's very intelligent. She's interested in science. She had great tutors uh, growing up. Uh, that was her mother's influence. But now mother is gone. And What's most likely to happen is that her father is going to remarry and to marry Ella off to somebody she may not like at all. Uh, she decides to run away her, after, especially that happens when her father attacks her. Now she doesn't feel safe anymore in her house. So she kind of 
has to take action and uh, and run. Uh, and she finds herself on a ship, and there is an accident, and there is a doctor helping uh, uh, a, a sailor. He has and he has to am- amputate his arm, and she decides to help. The doctor kind of tells her she must leave. You know, this is not appropriate for her to watch, but she just finds so enthralled by what's about to happen and by what she knows about science and a human body. She wants to help and she impresses the doctor. This is kind of the, kind of the story how it starts. And, but then, like I said, at the time, she can only go to medical school if she disguises as a man. And the doctor turns out to be supportive of that because that's what he planned for his own daughter. Uh, and uh, that's how Ella finds herself in the medical school dressed as a young man. She's only 15 at the time. So it's not so hard for her to disguise herself as, as a young man. And that was not a realist, unrealistic for the time for college students to be that young. And medical school was only a couple of years. Then they would be an apprentice to, to a surgeon somewhere. Uh, and so she finds herself in this world with other young men. Uh, medicine was not a very prestigious field at the time. It was more like, well, you if you cannot go into the into the navy or maybe or maybe some other more prestigious like army, you know, army careers or be a kind of rich man's son, uh, take care of the uh, you know of the of the lands, uh, then maybe you can go into medicine, kind of like not something most parents wanted for their sons. Uh, but that's where she finds herself. That's interesting to hear it wasn't mm-hmm. very prestigious at the time. Yeah. So who are Lady Mary Wortley Montague and Margaret Ann Bulky? So uh, Lady Mary uh, Wortley Montague, I found her story very interesting. Uh, So she was the wife of a diplomat uh, and went to Turkey. And there she witnessed uh, these women uh, basically doing vaccinations, or what we would call vaccinations, that she probably wouldn't have known the word, for smallpox. And people in Turkey did not have as much smallpox uh, as people in England did. And Lady Mary knew quite a bit about disease because she had it herself. And uh, her face was scarred after the disease and her own brother died after having it. So observing this, she kind of took took it as her mission to vaccinate people. And uh, she had her son vaccinated. And when he, you know, he did well... uh, did not get smallpox. Uh, she came back to England and let Princess of Wales know what she had learned and convinced the princess that uh, uh, p- uh, that people should be vaccinated. And the princess <laughs> listened, and she had first prisoners and orphans vaccinated to see, uh, just to make sure that they will survive. Uh, and when she saw successful c- cases with them, she she had her own children vaccinated. And I find that story very compelling. I spoke a little bit about it in my book because I imagined that what if uh, that was, um, what if Ella's mother has been part of this story? Maybe she learned about uh, inoculations uh, that way. Uh, and the, that could be inspiration for Ella when she kind of feels uh, nothing is going well and uh, you know she should give up. She kind of remembers about her mother and what she did. Yeah, um, those are those are fascinating stories, and um, you know, I, I love that you can bring them out in, in a story like yours through historical fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, learning about people that we wouldn't otherwise learn about, and how interesting that she treated those 
prisoners and orphans kind of like lab rats. How right. Um, I'm curious now, you might have already answered this, um, but in your author's note, you said that you write that your after your first draft, you got some really important advice from your editor. Do you remember what that advice was? Well, when I brought the, her my first uh, manuscript, she said it's not ready for professional editing. I had no idea what kind of, you know, in what shape should the, uh, you, you know, your, your manuscript be when I gave it to her. And kind of her response, it kind of sparked me to work better, work harder. So I taken writing classes. Uh, I worked with beta readers, uh, several, you know, everybody giving me different kind of input. And when I came back to her, uh, the, my every sentence just flowed better. Uh, you know, the story was well fleshed out. And she was very impressed that, yeah, you, you know, not, not only it's ready, it's one of the stronger manuscripts I've seen in several years. And she was very excited to work with me on it. Well, good for you for, you know, going back. And, you know, it's hard to take criticism like that, you know, especially mm -hmm. an editor saying, well, it's not even ready to be edited yet. Um, so good for you for doing that. And good for your editor for saying, well, hold on a second. Um, I want to help you, but y you need to help yourself first. Um, I love the cover. Can you tell us um, the cover design process, what that was like for you? Sure. So I worked asked other writers uh, who they used and found this company from Ukraine, Get Covers. And I sent them some ideas. Uh, I There was one cover that I really liked was a woman holding a bird. And I said, well, what if my character, you know, have a similar cover of the woman, you don't see the face, and she's holding a scalpel. What they sent back was uh, uh, this picture of this uh, nurse kind of looked like a modern nurse in great, great dress or scrubs with blood all, all over her. It, it would have been like great for a horror story. And so we had, I had to go back and kind of explain, no, the clothes should be from 19th century. I sent some examples, uh, the long sleeves, uh, what scalpel would look like. We kind of went back and forth several times until we get something similar to this cover. And then I sent it to potential reader groups, uh, book clubs, uh, you know, getting input for people who would actually be reading this book and uh, people pointing out kind of smaller things that where the font was difficult to read, uh, where they could not, they, you know, couldn't see maybe the scalpel or something like that, or they thought it's a pen or something, something similar. Uh, so that was kind of minor details that we narrowed down at that point. Uh, and we were able to finish the cover and luckily we've finished uh, very soon before the Ukraine was invaded, and I'm, and I'm actually from Ukraine myself uh, originally, uh, and uh, that was really heartbreaking. And uh, I kept in touch with that company. Luckily, they're doing okay and still in business. Well, they did a, a great job with it, and uh, yeah, it sounds like you were able to guide them to you know toward what you wanted. And then I, I find that interesting that you kind of did the beta reader process with the cover, which is, I haven't even ever thought of that. I, I might show my family or something, but actually ask readers, what do you think of the cover? What do you think I should change? That's a really great idea. So you, you had this story in your head and obviously it was a process um, for you. You know, you wrote it down, then you had to get some feedback, then you had to get some, you know, lessons on craft, but there's another element to getting a book in the world and that's publishing. Tell me about the publishing process for you and what you've learned about how that works. Right. So 
Again, I asked writers about publishing. I soon learned that there are really two paths, traditional publishing or self-publishing. And it seems like nobody gave me a good story about traditional publishing. People sometimes said that they have started with traditional publishing and left it and found self-publishing easier, more rewarding, getting results faster. Uh, and uh, just depending on what your goals are, it seems like self-publishing would have been the right fit. It's not always easy to make all decisions yourself and be in the driver's seat. But on the other hand, you know, you're in control of the process because in traditional publishing, you may have a great manuscript, but never receive any uh, support from publishing houses or never find an agent just because uh, you're new to the business. People don't know who you are. And maybe just your book is not what they're interested in publishing right now. Uh, well, with self-publishing, it's just you're in the driver's seat when you think your book is ready to publish, you hit publish. Uh, so I had the cover. I had my manuscript edited. Uh, I bought ISBN because I wanted to have a, a paperback as well as the ebook, and just I, had, I put it all, all together. And uh, you know, when I was ready, I selected the day, uh, which was exactly one year from the day I started writing, uh, February 26, 2022. And in that morning, I said, "Okay, my book is ready to publish," and I hit. And uh, you know. For a little while, you kind of a little scared because you don't know, will people buy it? Will anybody write a review? But little by little, I started hearing from people who bought my book, uh, getting emails saying, oh, I loved your book. It's great. Uh, I'm going to tell my friends about it. We're going to have a book club meeting about it. And little by little, reviews came, uh, uh, you know, emails came and uh, just every time I would see it like, oh, some, you know, an email or more the sales come in, you know, it's very exciting uh, that people are, re are reading your story or your work. Do you think you'll do anything different when you publish your next novels? I'm not I think uh, definitely more beta readers because everybody has an interesting and different perspective and the more eyes on your book, the better in the beginning. And I love feedback from people. But overall, I think I'm going with the same process of, Self-publishing, uh, I mean, I'm not set against traditional publishing. If opportunities come, I think I, I will be open to them. But uh, in many ways, uh, self-publishing is very rewarding. And, uh, you know, you get you get to choose uh, exactly what your book is about, exactly what's on your cover. Uh, you keep all the control that you would not have with traditional publishing. Well, I think. I think that's a very encouraging perspective if there are writers mm -hmm. out there listening that say, yeah, yeah, she's right. I want creative control and I can do this and I can put this out there without having to go through the tedious uh, submission process, rejection process, you know, fitting, fitting your story into somebody else's, you know, view of what it should be. D did you um, go through submissions at all? No, I did not. Well, you saved yourself a lot of stress. <laughs> that's what I—that's kind of what I thought. I'm curious. Um, after you know writing about Ella, do you have any interest at all in going into the medical field? I don't know if I would go into the medical field. I'm 42 already. Although people say you—you know—there's sky's the limit. You never—it's never too old. But 
I think to me, no, I'm much more happy writing about doctors than actually being one. I think it's a, such a difficult uh, and stressful job to have people's lives in your hands. Uh, no, I, I really don't. It's, I'm very fascinated by doctors. I'm very appreciative by doctors, what they do, and by nurses, all the medical workers. Um, uh, but no, I do not see myself uh, actually being a doctor or a nurse. And I really, I don't think I ever really wanted to be one. It was more like just imagining it because imagination is so much different than reality. I, at some point in my life, I was a caretaker for my grandparents. And uh, reading about somebody sick is very different than actually taking care of somebody who is very ill. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, more fun to write about it than to experience it. But definitely, we can all appreciate what they do in the medical field. Um, so let's talk about what you do. Do you work in IT? You have degrees in in business and I and information technology. Did did it ever occur to you that you might be a fiction novelist? And also, I'm wondering. Does that that kind of difference between left brain, right brain? Do you think that helps you? be more creative when you step away from the, the IT side of things? Yeah, I had no idea I'll be a fiction writer, but I think I always thought of stuff a little more creative than what my job is, which is very technical. And when I do writing for my job, it's technical documents. So I think I really enjoyed escaping into novels, into books, into historical fiction. I never thought of myself writing and I, before cur my current years as a writer, the last time I remember myself writing fiction was in eighth grade as an assignment. And I wrote some pretty good f stories for an eighth grader. You know, not, nothing that I, <laughs> I would be proud of right now, but um, for an eighth grade, I thought I was pretty creative. Uh, when I got to high school and college, it was all research papers and analyzing novels. Uh, I, I did well. I was always a good writer, but it was not kind of this creativity, you know, imagining a character and making up stories about her. So it, it really surprised me that I found myself writing and that and how much I enjoyed writing. I thought writing would be a tedious process, but when you're writing fiction, it's not. It's actually very exciting and you can, you know, hours can fly by very fast as, I, as I'm writing. I just kind of find myself kind of swept away into, the, into another world which sometimes happens when I read as well, you know, if it's a very compelling book. Uh, yeah, it's very different than my job. I I enjoy my job, but of course, I, I very much enjoy write, writing and everything that has to do with writing, including research, including speaking to other writers and getting ideas uh, and just kind of, you know, meditating, just kind of sometimes letting uh, ideas come to you it's it's very interesting when you know you never know when an idea kind of strikes and you think oh this got to be in my book it's like where did where did where did this even come from you know you never know so i wonder if this how far writing will take me maybe one day i'll be a full time writer i i could totally see see that and i think i would enjoy that well i hope so yeah you definitely um sound like you enjoy it enough and you you've taken all the right steps you know just um, taking those risks to go out and try it. And, and I'm so glad to hear that it's it's working out for you so far. Um, I can say as a, as a, just to relate a little bit as a novelist myself, 
I enjoy trying to find out what's going to happen the same way when you read, when you're writing the story, you don't always know. And it's, it's kind of exciting to, to wonder how is the story going to end? Right. Yeah. Because I, I plot out what's going to happen ahead of time, kind of the big points, but sometimes as I'm writing, things just come out. You character may do something you never expect her to do, or a minor character suddenly comes out and does something that you don't expect them to do. And you, you almost feel like, where did this just come from? And it's very interesting how, when, um, I guess you're, when you're in that creative space and, uh, you let, you know, you letting your kind of yourself explore it. And maybe it's not what's in your notes, but just for the sake of this draft, just see what happens. And it may be, much better than what you were thinking all along. Well, you also write a blog, uh, A Girl on an Adventure. Can you tell us about that? I thought this uh, this was something I um, decided to explore, kind of to talk about my writing or some kind of adventure that I may be having. Uh, it really could be anything. I, I have not really figured out exactly what it's going to be. Also, like I, how I wrote about the Mary Vortigo, Montague, so somebody I admire from history. It just, uh, when I get a chance, it's something I can put out. I know people are waiting for the next book, and that could take a year. This is something to talk to my readers, uh, to give them something to read uh, while they're waiting for the next book. Uh, and uh, it could be fun. And it's just uh, uh, something I want to tell them also, do a newsletter. Uh, just an, another way for me to connect with my readers and to tell them something about uh, what I'm doing. I also would love to feature somebody else, uh, you know, maybe somebody who is having an interesting adventure. Actually, tomorrow I'm going to, I may have an interesting adventure. I'm going to be on a tall ship Windy in Chicago. It's a sailing ship. And I'm, I hope that's something I could blog about uh, after I come back (laughs) because I probably will learn a lot about um, the sailing terminology and what the sailors do, which is going to be very important for my second book. (laughs) So, but before that comes out, hopefully that will make an interesting blog post. Definitely. Yeah. I think, I think your readers, anyone really would definitely be interested in hearing about that. And that's just, that's a great way to stay connected to, to your readers and to, you know, bring them into your world. And I think, I think most readers are interested in knowing more about the authors that, you know, from the books that they read. Um, so you, you mentioned you're, you know, you've got this next book coming out. What's, what's the title of the next one? And can you give us a few details about it? It's going to be called No Job for a Woman. Yes, that's my, that's my current uh, title that I'm thinking about. And, uh, so it really picks up exactly where a girl with a knife ends. Ella has her skills, but where is she going to work? She's trying to get a job. She finds that she cannot uh, be accepted anywhere in a medical practice. She tried it out the job uh, as a midwife, but something happens there that she cannot continue. And so she comes uh, to uh, Plymouth and gets on a warship where she thinks she's going to be an apprentice to her mentor, Dr. Pash, and uh, she's going to be taking care of wounded sailors. But uh, sailors are very superstitious people. They don't, they just presence of a woman on the ship at the time was not a good thing. Uh, leave alone that she's a surgeon and, uh, you know, those things are kind of unheard for a woman to, to be doing. And, and she's no longer hiding that she's a woman. Uh, so... This is going to be an adventure for her to prove herself and to prove to the crew that uh, 
you know, she's there to do a job and she's needed there. Well, Alina, um, we'll look forward to that. Congratulations on A Girl with a Knife. And thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you.